explain for somebody who can't see what's going on right now, what the hell is going on right <laughs> Okay, so um, I guess you call it a rave dance. There's people out here dancing and having fun with some glow lights right in front of them. All our white t-shirts and everything are glowing right now. I'm in a dark gymnasium on the campus of Adrian College, an expensive private college in southeastern Michigan. It's crazy in here. There are students engulfed in giant plastic bubbles playing soccer. Students squirting glow-in-the-dark paint at each other. And then Hunger Games archery. There's people hiding around um, giant inflatable cones, basically shooting uh, the opposition with toy arrows. So this is pretty cool. This is basically uh, one of many Adrian College events that they put on for us. So the reason I've come here to Adrian College, except, hold that thought, I'm going to break the fourth wall now and turn down the rave music because it is hurting my brain. Ha, <sighs> much better. Okay, so... The reason I've come here to Adrian College is that it's part of a little cross-country tour I'm on. And if you've been listening to this podcast series from the beginning, you already know the general theme of that tour. Welfare. Yes, very sexy. And on this cross-country tour, I'm trying to answer a simple question. Two decades after a Republican Congress passed a bill and a Democratic president signed it. Ending welfare as we know it. What in the world is welfare today? 20 years later. Now, it just so happens that many of the people at this college-sponsored rave party are 20 years old themselves, meaning they were born the same year that welfare reform was born. So in between glow paint wars and bubble soccer and Taylor Swift songs, I was curious to know from these guys, what comes to mind when you hear the word welfare? What do you know about welfare? Uh, welfare. I feel like I know what it is, but I can't think of it right now. Poverty. I think of like a welfare check. It's good for some people, but there's times where welfare is bad because it's just turning around into drug money or right to that liquor store. But here's the thing. All those students who just answered my question, they didn't know it until I told them, but actually, they are on welfare too. Welcome to The Uncertain Hour, where the things we fight the most about are the things we know the least about. I'm Chrissy Clark, senior correspondent for Marketplace's Wealth and Poverty Desk, and this is our new podcast, all about making sense of making it in America. This season, we're going deep into one topic, you guessed it, welfare, cash welfare for poor families. What exactly is it today? Who does it and doesn't it help? Because to understand our economy now, we need to understand what we do for and about those with the least in it. If you haven't listened to the earlier episodes already, I suggest you do. Things will all make more sense that way. But here's a quick refresher. So far in this season, we've looked at the strange history of this pivotal moment 20 years ago when the federal cash welfare system was overhauled. We gave the system a new name, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, or TANF, and a new structure. Rather than federal TANF money going straight to poor families, like those college students thought. I think of like a welfare check. Now, welfare dollars go to states in the form of block grants. And the money basically comes with a little instruction manual attached that says... You get a certain amount of money and you set up your own programs. 
Here's senior analyst Peter Ruark with the Michigan League for Public Policy. And you can spend this money as long as it fits under four purposes. Purpose one. To provide assistance to needy families. Basically what we think of as welfare. Purpose two. To end the dependence of needy parents on government benefits by promoting job preparation and work. Purpose three. To prevent and reduce out-of-wedlock pregnancies. And purpose four. To encourage the formation of two-parent families. And those four purposes, written into the 1996 welfare reform law, have been interpreted in some interesting ways. So much so that today, only a fraction of the money, just about a quarter nationwide, actually goes to cash assistance for poor families anymore. And the rest goes to... Everything but the kitchen sink. I mean, it's a big slush fund. (laughs) In our last episode, we went to Oklahoma, where tens of millions of TANF dollars have gone to... Love styles. Marriage and relationship classes. Love styles, right? Today, we continue our cross-country tour. This stop, Michigan, to see what else welfare has become. And I think you're going to be pretty amazed. We're looking at uh, basically one side of our small, one-square-mile campus. So we're back on the tiny campus of Adrian College in a little rural town in southeastern Michigan. The rave party's over, things have quieted down, and I'm getting a tour past the new ice hockey rink. Which is that big building right back there. The even newer fitness center. We're walking up to Downs Hall. Actually, Downs Hall is the oldest building on campus. It was here from when uh, Adrian College began back in 1859. What's not included in this tour's stats and school trivia, of the 1,700 students who go here, who mostly grew up in middle-class or upper-middle-class families, more than half of them receive TANF money, federal welfare money, to help cover their nearly $45,000-a-year tuition. Blake Hairston, the junior who's giving me the campus tour right now, on this far end is what we call commencement plaza. Is one of these unwitting welfare recipients. He had no idea he was getting this money until I asked him about it. Do you have the paperwork with you? Give me one second. Blake pulled up his financial aid package on his phone. Okay. One of the college grants the welfare money goes to is known as the Michigan Tuition Grant. So I see the Michigan Tuition Grant. It's specifically targeted to Michigan students who go to private colleges in-state. Takes into account how much money their families make compared to how expensive a school is. Blake's family is middle class, though they hit a rough patch in the recession when his mom was out of work for a couple years. We looked over his tuition statement, and there it was, between some Pell Grants and student loans and academic achievement scholarships. It's Michigan tuition grant, about 1800 a year from welfare. That's about how much Kelly Zekin... I am an accounting major. Another junior I talked to at Adrian... President of my sorority... ...also gets. Like Blake, she didn't know much about what the Michigan tuition grant was or where the money came from until I asked her about it. It was just another useful chunk of money to help her family cover the costs of a very expensive college. Free money, I guess, is kind of the running joke in our house. But, you know, I didn't know exactly what qualified me for it. I hadn't really looked much into it. And when you look deeper into the Michigan tuition grant and how these students qualify for it, things get really surprising. 
Remember those four purposes that I mentioned earlier? That restrict what states can spend their welfare block grants on? Well, I found a pie chart, and it's quite interesting. That's policy analyst Peter Ruark again, the kind of guy who appreciates a good pie chart. But this is the kind of pie chart that actually any citizen, any taxpayer should find quite interesting. It's all about how federal tax money, money that goes towards one of the most controversial programs around, welfare, is spent. What we see is only 12% of the TANF money. That's temporary assistance for needy families. Only 12% of that federal funding in Michigan goes toward welfare payments. That is, basic cash assistance to poor families. Meanwhile, in Michigan, almost three times as much, 33%, goes toward... Out-of-wedlock pregnancy prevention. Which is one of the four purposes that states can spend welfare dollars on. But this out-of-wedlock pregnancy prevention... Listeners to the show might not guess that that includes financial aid for going to college. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a a convoluted uh, (laughs) set of dots. (laughs) Yes, yes. But connected those dots are, at least in the annual report that Michigan has to submit to the federal government, explaining how it spends the hundreds of millions of dollars in federal welfare money it gets each year. I'll just read from the most recent report. Quote, The following services are intended to prevent and reduce the incidence of -of out-of-wedlock pregnancies. And then there's a list of services. Second on the list, there it is. Scholarships used to fund post-secondary education. As of this year, Michigan puts almost $100 million of its more than $700 million TANF block grant towards in-state college grant and scholarship programs, all in the name of preventing out-of-wedlock pregnancy. Peter, the Michigan policy guy, remembers the first time he came across this justification as he was going over budget documents with a colleague. We just looked at each other and laughed. <laughs> you know, it's it, it doesn't make sense. Aside from the fact that it's called an out-of-wedlock pregnancy prevention program, there's another reason this welfare spending on college financial aid is worth examining. Some of this financial aid does not go toward low-income families. There's actually quite a bit of it that goes to upper-middle-class families. In fact, according to the most available data, about 6% of the Michigan tuition grant, which is funded by $34 million of federal welfare money, 6% of that goes to students whose families earn more than $100,000 a year. Debbie Petersmark lives in East Lansing, Michigan, on a tree-lined suburban street, where she and her ex-husband, Mike, raised their three kids. Their oldest, Andy, just finished his sophomore year at Adrian College, and he receives a Michigan tuition grant funded by Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. The Petersmarks do not fit the typical definition of a needy family. Mike's a CPA. Debbie sells ads for a local TV station. Together, they fall into the upper end of earners in America, more than $200,000 a year. Between the two of us, I think we're two and a quarter, two and a quarter to 250. But everything's relative. 
Even when you make that much money, college can be expensive. The Petersmark son considered a public university, but liked the intimate feel and close attention he'd get at a small private college like Adrian. And its $45,000 a year price tag was a challenge. You're basically, with college, you're basically buying a brand new car every year that you have to pay in full for it right then. And when you're putting three kids through college, even if you've had a college savings account for them since they were little, which the Peters Marks did, it can still feel like a pinch. So when I tell Mike and Debbie that one of the grants their son gets to help cover tuition is actually funded through welfare money? I personally think it's terrific because just because a kid grows up in in a home that might have a little bit more money than the next doesn't mean that they're not entitled to some help from the government for college. I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you make. You're still forking over $30,000 a year for college is, is a hardship. I asked Debbie what she might say to a really poor family who wasn't getting the kind of traditional direct cash assistance that we think of when we think of welfare. They might look at you guys and be like, you guys have this beautiful home. You're, you're getting welfare money. What, what do you say to them or sort of what do you, what do you make of that? Again, I would go back to the fact that this, the welfare money is supporting the kids, you know, to go to college. And if this is something that can help make, you know, a, a, an experience better for them, kids who, like I said, might want to go to a smaller school or need to go to a smaller school, if something like that can make it within reason. I mean, I mean, they're going to pay taxes and contribute to the society in the long run. So I wouldn't necessarily think of it as a, a welfare gift to the family. I would think of it as a welfare gift to the kid. As for the kids who are getting these welfare grants, I asked them what they thought. Debbie and Mike's son, Andy Petersmark, was pragmatic. I mean, I think everybody gets a little greedy and needy when it comes to college, I guess. Uh, if we're going to be offered the money, then we're going to take it. I also asked Kelly Zekin, the Adrian Jr. Her parents make almost $200,000 a year. She said she hoped enough cash assistance goes to actual poor families so they can meet their basic needs. If your child needs a new jacket and it's wintertime, then by all means, I hope that there's enough money and you've received enough money for that month um, for your children to be warm and clothed and fed. But she said maybe giving her some of that welfare money to go to a good private school like Adrian might mean she can help others with their basic needs down the line. I know that I'm going to take my education and use it wisely and get a great job and hopefully be able to help other people and donate to my community and Hopefully I can buy a jacket for Christmas for one of those other kids that needs to stay warm. It's kind of trickle-down economics, college grad by college grad. But even kids like Kelly, benefiting from one of these college grants, believing there must be some good rationale for it, even they were stumped by the state of Michigan's logic for funneling welfare money into a college scholarship program. I explained to her the whole four-purposes thing how leaders of Michigan have to connect every federal welfare dollar they spend to one of these four purposes. And the one that they connect it to is that it helps prevent out-of-wedlock pregnancies. Okay. Oh, okay. So helping, because I'm, I'm going to just assume because I'm educated that I won't have a baby. I told Blake Hairston, the guy who toured me around Adrian's campus, who also gets one of these welfare grants, about how Michigan says it will help prevent out-of-wedlock pregnancies. And he tried to be diplomatic. Really? Um, 
interesting. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know exactly. <laughs> and I told Kate Nye, a junior who's majoring in business management, she gave me her best business management take on the issue. I find that to be very interesting. I mean, I'm very thankful for that link that they've somehow come up with. Um, and I'm sure that there are statistics that back that by all means. I just think that that's very interesting, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, well, certainly it helps students uh, better afford uh, a private institution education. Frank Hrebar is the vice president for enrollment and student affairs at Adrian College. He sees the benefit of using some welfare dollars to fund college grants for his students from various income levels. Adrian is just one of 30 or so private colleges in Michigan where students are eligible for these grants. Frank points out that Adrian College was recently ranked as one of the top schools in Michigan for social mobility based on the high graduation rates of low-income students in the school. As for the welfare grants that go to students from higher-income families? It's giving those families options. These are families who are also paying income tax, so they're, they're able to... Um, they're able to access some of what they've been paying for. I asked him about the rationale Michigan uses to spend welfare money on these grants for school tuition. Because you have to tie the reason you're spending it on something to one of the purposes of the, right. the okay. welfare legislation. And the, the way that Michigan sort of connects the dots is that they see it, this funding as a way of preventing out-of-wedlock pregnancies. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm not quite sure how to respond to that. Um, it's an interesting rationale. I found it interesting, too. What exactly was the thinking behind this? My producers and I reached out to a bunch of Michigan state officials, state lawmakers on the appropriations committees for higher education, the Treasury Department, which oversees the college scholarship program. After repeated requests over many weeks, none of them agreed to comment. Then finally, after a month and a half, we got a short statement from a spokesman at the state's Department of Health and Human Services, which oversees the cash welfare program. It reads, Studies have shown that higher education decreases the chance of out-of-wedlock pregnancies, and goes on to say, Children born out of wedlock and their families are more likely to be poor. We want to remove barriers to self-sufficiency so that families can succeed and thrive. So... That's something. But the truth is, Michigan doesn't really have to explain anything about its rationale. States have not had to present rigorous evidence, and there isn't rigorous evidence, to connect those dots and to say this is a pregnancy prevention strategy. Liz Schott is a senior policy analyst at the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. States have simply asserted it. That's all they do. They just say, we're spending this under the third purpose of reducing out-of-wedlock pregnancies. They don't have to make the case. They just have to check the box. And it's not my place to say the state shouldn't have financial aid for upper-middle-class families, right? I mean, college can be expensive. Here's Peter Ruark again with the Michigan League for Public Policy. And he's right. College is expensive today. Student debt is skyrocketing, so every little bit helps. My question is, should we be using money that is intended to help people get out of poverty to send 
you know, affluent and middle class 18 and 19 year olds to universities and private colleges. In Michigan, where 16% of residents live below the poverty line, not much more welfare money goes to basic cash assistance, to helping poor families pay bills and buy winter clothes, than to this college scholarship program. That's, that's, a weird, um, that's a weird set of priorities. But even if it's kind of a head-scratcher, from a certain viewpoint, Peter says. From a budgetary viewpoint, it makes perfect sense to use federal dollars for something that you used to use state dollars for. Michigan used to fund its college scholarship and grant programs with state money. But now, thanks to welfare reform and the block grant system, it can use federal welfare dollars instead, and that frees the state to do other things with their money. Peter says that makes budgetary sense. But from a moral standpoint, we do have to ask, should we really be supplanting uh, funds from TANF um, instead of using those funds to help poor people get out of poverty? Peter's not saying financial aid to families, even high-earning families, is a bad thing. That extra $1,800 or so per academic year helps soften the college tuition blow. But in those same nine months, a poor family receiving basic cash assistance wouldn't get much more than that. A little more than $4,000 for the average family of three. And in Michigan, most poor families don't receive any cash assistance at all. That's it for this episode of The Uncertain Hour. We'll be back in two weeks with more on our welfare spending road trip, where we'll make a stop in a couple states where temporary assistance for needy families has become a useful source of funding in the abortion debate. We, in the pro-life movement, saw that there was TANF funds available, and that was the reason why we created the organization, is because we knew that it could access the TANF funding. And if you want to dig into how your state spends its welfare dollars, we have a really cool tool on our website that you can explore. That's at marketplace.org slash the uncertain hour. The uncertain hour happens because of producer Caitlin Esch, associate producer Gina Delvac, senior editor Nancy Fargali, engineer Jake Gorski. Mark Miller is the managing editor and Deborah Clark is the vice president of Marketplace. Special thanks this week to the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities for all their data crunching. And to the Marketplace data team, Paul Brent, Arjuno Sariano, and Tim Kellogg. I'm Chrissy Clark, senior correspondent with Marketplace's Wealth and Poverty Desk, which is supported by the Ford Foundation. Oh, and we here at the Uncertain Hour have a question for you. As we put together our final episodes in the next couple weeks, we're curious what questions you have been forming about welfare now that you've gone down this rabbit hole with us. You can tweet us at MPWealthPoverty. And I'll say it again, thank you for all the amazing reviews you've put in iTunes. They really help us continue the work that we're doing. Please keep them coming. This is APM. APM.